0: Hey, this is Paul Walter Hauser, a.k.a. Raymond, but we all know my real name is Stingray, and you are listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Now, let me tell you, the 80s were the best era ever, just like the 80s were the best era ever. Cobra Kai Companion is the best podcast ever.
1: Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, and today's episode we have the very first interview from a new character from Season 2 of Cobra Kai. Today's interview is with Paul Walter Hauser, who plays Raymond, aka Stingray, but has also made some appearances in some very notable movies in the last couple years, including I, where he plays Sean Eckhart, and also Black Klansman, where he plays a character by the name of Ivanhoe. Or maybe some of you know him from the MMA drama show Kingdom, where he plays Keith. This interview was a lot of fun. Uh, we got to learn a lot about Paul. Uh, he talks a little bit about kind of growing up, uh, getting into stand-up at a really young age, but also shares his experience working with Spike Lee on Black Klansmen, and obviously how he got onto Cobra Kai. And on the subject of Cobra Kai, he gives us a little insight on what it was like filming the scene up at Coyote Creek and also the huge fight scene in the final episode of season two. And this is our conversation. Hello. Hello, Paul.
0: Hey, who am I speaking to?
1: Hey, this is Peter from Cobra Kai Companion.
0: Peter from Cobra Kai Companion. How are you, sir?
1: I am good. How are you, sir?
0: I'm doing well. I'm actually, uh, forgive me, I'm in traffic in an Uber just headed back to my apartment. I I had more errands and stuff to run than I thought. So uh, down to chat, but I'll be doing it on the run a little bit here.
1: Okay. All right. Great. The listeners of my show, obviously, are are viewers of Cobra Kai. And a lot of our interviews have been kind of behind the scenes, get to know the actors. What was it like for you growing up? Uh, I understand you're from Grand Rapids, Michigan.
0: Yeah, I'm from Grand Rapids, uh, meaning I was I was born there, but by one and a half years old, my, my dad, who is a Lutheran minister, he took a call to a church over in Saginaw, Michigan. That's kind of where I grew up, was in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, which is close by Flint, maybe a two-hour drive north from Detroit.
1: I have heard of that area. My co-host, Tom, who unfortunately wasn't able to join us today, he's actually from your area. He was really hoping to kind of sit in to talk a little bit about that. Um, but yeah,
0: uh, Tom, Yeah, <laughs> we just sh- screwed up Tom. We'll have to do this again. I, um, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful place to grow up in the sense of it's got a little bit of, uh, you know, it's got the light and the dark, which is what I'm attracted to in my work and in my real life. And, and so I, you know, on Sunday mornings I was in church wearing a bow tie and suspenders, eating donut holes in Sunday school. <laughs> and then, uh, throughout the week I would, you know, see drug dealers and stuff in my neighborhood, and we lived in, like, a rough area, and so it was, like, this weird dichotomy of, like, uh, the Andy Griffith show meets The Wire. That was kind of my childhood (laughs) in a weird way. (laughs) That's an
1: interesting uh, contrast there.
0: Yeah, it kind of made me who I am, but, uh, but yeah, that's where I'm from. What
1: got you into comedy? I understand you started doing comedy at the age of 16, is that right?
0: Yeah, so I was always kind of a funny kid I was always, you know, goofing off and was the class clown and was trying to get attention in class probably because I was one of four siblings. So, you know, part of being noticed in your own family is having a point of view or a way you go about getting attention. And for me, it was always comedy. And then when I was 16 years old, I decided I'd try stand-up comedy and I did that. Um Not super successfully. I think I got stage time, like, you know, a lot of reputable places, but it wasn't like I was ever making money. But I did stand-up from about 16 to 28, took a few years off from 28 to 31, and in the last year I've kind of dipped my toes back into stand-up.
1: Between stand-up and that time that you had off, when did you decide to get into acting?
0: I kind of knew I wanted to act from a really early age. I think I... (laughs) It's funny. I went to this parochial school, so we did these like Bible plays, and we did one about Daniel and the Lions. Then, and I was in second grade, and I was like, "Man, I really want a good part in this play." So we all read parts for like the Lions, who had like one liners of like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat you, Daniel," or whatever we said to Daniel. And uh, and I remember I got a line. And I was ecstatic, but I didn't have a funny line. There was another kid named Eric Bender, who who uh, had like the really funny lines. And it got this big reaction from the parents and the audience, and I was like, "Ah!" Oh. And I remember wanting, I was craving that when I was literally like seven or eight years old or whatever. So that um, obsessive, pathetic kick of wanting to entertain an audience and be the center of attention was there that young, and I just kept acting in school plays uh, from middle school to high school, and, and then after high school, I kind of said, well, I have to figure out how I can do this as a profession.
1: Yeah, you've done uh, very well for yourself. Um, so some of the more recognizable titles, I, Tonya, Black Klansman with Spike Lee. W- what was it like to land a role uh, on Black Klansman with Spike Lee?
0: Thanks for saying that, man. I, and by design, you know, what, you can audition for a lot of stuff, but the stuff you always want is, you know, like uh, with I, Tonya, it was a true story. With Black Klansman, you got to work with an A-list, auteur, director, I mean, Those are definitely the jobs I kind of hang my hat on and want to find for the future. But um, I, Tanya was just a case of they had a couple bigger names involved, I think. And I don't think they were looking at a guy like me. But then, you know, uh, the actor had a scheduling conflict and wasn't able to do it necessarily. So I came in as a a crop of gentlemen they brought into audition for that role that's sort of a backup plan. And in the midst of finding a backup plan, I just really hit it off with Craig Gillespie, the director and the casting director. And we kind of decided what we thought the character should be. So that was really a fun piece of happenstance. And I'm grateful to God that I got to do something as cool as that movie, just a dark comedy biopic. I mean, that's the kind of thing I would, you know, dream of. Uh, And that was a lot of fun in Black Klansman. It was you know, about a year later or whatever it was, uh, not, no, it was the same year. My gosh, we wrapped that time here early March of 2017 and I was on set doing black Clans when I think late October, 2017. Um, and that was an audition where my buddy, Brian Walsh, my manager, and, uh, who used to be an agent at this company, Buckwald, they all kind of, when I, Tony got good reviews, they started spreading my name around and tried to get me some appointments and, they got me in front of Spike two days after the Toronto Film Festival, where our movie got great reviews. So I went and sat in with Spike and did a session and auditioned for him, and, and he uh, liked my improvisational skills and thought I was funny, and and I booked that. It was pretty crazy, man, pretty absurd, pretty, pretty uh, fortuitous.
1: Well, you share a lot of scenes with uh, Adam Driver, I- including uh, a scene where you guys are in a car together. Was it like working with him, who's um, associated with the Star Wars movies?
0: Yeah, Adam's great. He's also—he just seems like a good-hearted, normal guy who happens to be a megastar, and that's how a lot of those folks are—they're regular people who kind of get elevated in status based on a couple jobs, but um. Adam seems like a family guy who is was, who was there to do his business and then go home to the wife and kid and the dog or whatever. Um, seems like a really dedicated guy who tries to balance work and charity work and, and career and life together. Um, my, my experience with him was a lot of fun, though. We, we talked about acting a little bit, and some of the things I kind of complained about are problems I had with my own career and my own acting ability. He kind of echoed some of those sentiments, and hearing him kind of kind of uh, sit in the mud with me and complain about the same stuff made me feel better about it, Because right? I, you know, I look up to him as a really great actor. So there, so when I complain to him and go, Uh, some days I'm doing an accent and I feel like I'm not doing it the same way I did it three days ago on set and I'm worried that my voice doesn't match the other scenes, he goes, oh yeah, I've, I've had that a million times. And I'm like, oh, if Adam Driver has problems with that, then it makes me feel a little bit better that I'm struggling with it, you know? But he was cool. He was a cool
1: guy. Now, you mentioned uh, improvising. Um, you know, I also follow you on Instagram and you do um a lot of videos where you are doing the penguin bit. Is that improvising as well or what what is that about?
0: Oh man, I'm sorry for all those who follow me on Instagram and <laughs> have to watch those videos of me shirtless doing <laughs> characters and trying to make trying to make myself laugh.
1: I, I don't know uh, if we get enough of it, to yeah, be honest it, with you.
0: Oh, dude, I love it. Instagram is a really fun... What's the word? It's an outlet. Instagram is an outlet for me to be silly and do all the things that make me laugh and kind of entertain myself and then in the midst of it, hopefully entertain other people. Uh, The Penguin stuff is just, you know, I have a take on uh, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin, that I want to do in a Batman film. and, And I just started doing it about a year or two ago where I would make videos and put it up on Instagram. And those are... I would say half written, half improvised. Sometimes I'll just improv something and throw it up. Then other times I'll do like five to seven takes of it and try to get it right and try to get the verbiage perfect. Um it depends. But that's me kind of doing my sad pathetic quiet campaign to play the role. I think that once again I think they have other people in mind for that. But um, you know, it's a fun way to it's a fun way to wave at Warner Brothers and hope that they look down at me at some point.
1: I don't think it's pathetic at all. You know, I, I really admire how you um, you really you know give it all. You 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 have these, uh, you even play with your hands a little bit. You know, the squinting of the eyes. You know, I I really do appreciate that you're not just reciting lines, uh, in the manner of that of the penguin. You're actually trying to bring like a physical mannerism to him, too. Oh,
0: thanks, man. Yeah, no, I I really do. I mean, I won't break it down because it would kind of be like uh. Showing how the sausage is made, but, <laughs> but there's some specific things that I do with the character that I, I have reasons behind all that, and, and I hope that in a in a film I could kind of bring that to life and explore that. But um, but thank you for saying that. You know why I really do it? It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to play make believe and act like a kid and 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 not be self-conscious about how silly or crazy you look. It's fun to just be free. Yeah. creatively and, and that's one one of a couple ways i try to do that
1: i like that a lot um we've been very fortunate enough to have uh john josh and hayden on the show and uh we asked them about uh creating characters versus bringing back characters from the um old karate kid movies they mentioned that the character of raymond uh, who you play that character was written with you in mind and then that they went as far as to pursue you for this particular role. What was that like, them pursuing you? Did you still have to audition? Uh, How does that go for a character in that situation?
0: Yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, every every job you get is different. Some are offered, some are, hey, can you get lunch with the director or do a sketch session? And then others are um straight up auditions, you know. There there are roles that I've gotten that I auditioned for four to six times. Um so it depends. But I would say uh this case, you know, Black Clanson came out in theaters back in August of last year. And around that time, you know, the film had had a lot of buzz and and was doing really well and uh and I got contacted around that time, August of last year, last year, excuse me, just went over a bump. Um, <laughs> uh, we uh, we got contacted and, and those guys said, hey, we have a role we're interested in, uh, you playing for Cobra Kai season two. And you know, I hadn't seen the show, I knew what it was, but I was like, I don't know, like a Cobra Kai sequel on YouTube? That doesn't even sound like a real show. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like something that could be disastrous. And then uh, they, they set up the meeting because I was like, well, these guys made Hot Pum Time Machine and Harold and Kumar, and they did one of the better American Pie movie sequels, and I was like, it'll be a treat just to meet these guys and get to talk with them. So I took the meeting at a some Mexican restaurant in Culver City, and on my way there, I don't remember if I Ubered or took the bus, but I had like an hour to kill coming from the east side, and I, I watched three episodes of The Tober Kai Back to Back, and I loved them. So I'm on my iPad. Literally, I showed up to the meeting late because I wanted to finish the fourth episode before I walked <laughs> in to meet John Hayden and Josh. So I show up like seven, eight minutes late to the meeting. I'm like, I'm sorry, I had to finish episode before. It's amazing, <laughs> and I'm freaking out, and being a nerd. And uh, and you know, we we nerded out and talked about comedy because we're all massive comedy fans. And we're quoting, you know, Norm Macdonald and Dirty Work, and we're talking about vintage Sandler and. And, you know, we're just kind of like having a fun conversation between friends, and they pitched me they pitched me that character, Raymond, which I thought was really, really funny. And, and then they told me about the transformation Raymond has in the stingray, and I was like, oh, it's so something I would love to do. So, yeah, they pitched it to me. I loved it. It was a love fest for them, and it was more a matter of how how he was going to fit into the show, and they fit me in, and, and I, I had a blast making it with them. I can't express how much fun it was to work with those
1: guys. Now, I, I know, I I think like your character, Raymond, you were kind of born in the tail end of the 80s. How familiar with you were with the the Karate Kid movies? What Was that, you know, one of your uh, uh, jams growing up?
0: You know, I knew Ralph Macchio more from uh, The Outsiders. The Outsiders is sort of one of my seminal youth movies that I've seen 30 or 40 times probably. So uh, for me, it was it was more. I knew Ralph from that. I had seen the Karate Kid films, but you know, I, it was a big cable movie. Like it was one of those movies, like uh, it was one of those movies, like Bloodsport or like Beverly Hills Cop that was on TV every day uh, back when I was growing up. So I had seen the films, but wasn't the biggest fan just because I wasn't that into karate. Uh, but I remember one thing about. The Karate Kid that I loved, which is... It kind of takes the the youth characters seriously. It's not silly. Like, it's kind of a serious film, even though it's about a kid taking karate uh, in a new town. And I kind of like how seriously they took it and how Pat Morita added so much depth to that movie, man. Uh, So I remembered that, and I think they've done a great job at kind of keeping a lot of moments light with characters like me or Eli... Or not Eli uh, Hawk? No, no, Gianni plays him. Oh, the oh, Gianni,
1: character. yeah, Dimitri.
0: Dimitri, characters like me and Dimitri provide that levity and that you know humor, but then they also have really serious moments, just so like the film had. And uh, and they play they play those really well. I think they're able to kind of dance between the comedy and the drama really well.
1: Now, your character Raymond is actually introduced very early on uh, in in the second season. What is it like working with uh, Billy Zabka?
0: Uh, he's so cool, man. Uh, the first thing I noticed about Billy is when I met him, he was just really like really humble and really nice, and like nice. everybody who comes on set, whether it's somebody visiting one of the, one of the background actors' parents, or a production assistant running around, or somebody like me coming in to do a guest acting spot, he just was so gracious. And you could tell the show means a lot to him and none of it's lost on him. So right off the gate, he was a really gracious, welcoming guy. And then doing the scenes with him, he was just so good. And he so understands that character and plays it to a T. Now,
1: what was it like working with Martin Cove?
0: Martin Cove. Uh, you know, he's, um, he's, a little more <laughs> he's a little more like Chris than he likes to admit. He'll kind of like come up to you and, talk with his hands and tell you an old war story from his days in Hollywood <laughs> and kind of, uh, pontificate and wax poetic on his days, uh, as, a, as an actor, as a prolific character actor. And, um, just, you know, the way he tells those war stories, uh, to the kids. And he's like, yeah, I was in Ghana. And they're like, Ghana, didn't you say you were in the Dominican? And he's like, Oh yeah, the Dominican. So he'll <laughs> tell stories like that to, uh, to us about the Hollywood games, and you know what's crazy is he has to detest the time where you look at his career and it's like it's not like he was a one-shirt pony where he just did a couple action movies like he just worked with Tarantino on the new Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that's right and uh and now now he's on one of the most you know sort of successful shows um on YouTube premium so the the guys had a really cool career and I I love those old-timer actors who tell stories, guys like him, and this guy I worked on uh, Kingdom with, this show I got to work with MC Janey, who was in Con Air and uh, Sideways and stuff, and talking to those old guys, man, just grab a seat and shut up and just let them run. It's the most entertaining and insightful time you can have as an actor.
1: It, that's funny you worded it that way, just grab a seat and shut up, uh, because we actually had Martin Cove as well, and... Uh, I, we had a list of questions to ask him, and he literally answered all of them without even being asked. He just went into each story and started answering everything for us. Um, and that's all we did. We oh, just sat hilarious. there and listened to him. Pretty awesome.
0: Pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I love that you guys have been reaching out and getting those interviews. And everybody on the show is super nice, so I, it doesn't surprise me that they're all down to do the podcast thing and 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 hang out with everybody because I, it really is. It really is a show that everybody's been really supportive of, and uh, and it's kind of a moment in time we're all kind of soaking it up. That we have so many eyeballs and so much love for that show.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We we've been very fortunate to get uh, all the different people to come on. You mentioned uh, Gianni just a sec ago. He's been on. Matter of fact, he's going to be uh, making a return to help us review an episode. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun too.
0: Oh, nice. That guy's so funny. Gianni does such a terrific job. He's great.
1: He's pretty great. Um, Can you talk a little bit about uh, the 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 behind-the-scenes filming? I forget the episode number at this point, but when you guys were up at Coyote Creek.
0: Yeah, so Coyote Creek was a uh, couple days... Was it a day or... I think it was a couple days we shot that. Uh, Jen Salada, Salada, I believe her name is, Mm -hmm. she was our director on that episode... And I remember it was tough because when you have so many actors, you have to get what's called coverage. So they take the camera and they move it around, and you got to get a wide shot from far away that encapsulates everything. And then you got to get close ups, and then you got to get two shots where it's two characters next to each other. So it was really cold out there. It was Atlanta. It's Atlanta in October, and we're trying to make it look like it's summer in California. So we're all kind of freezing our butts off out there. And we had to be out there a very long time because we had so much coverage to get. And uh, I remember, (laughs) he will not appreciate me saying it, but I remember Marty Kovas tripping up over a line um, during that speech he gives uh, before the Big Coyote Creek competition and added a good extra 30 minutes. on. So, oh, Marty, Marty, you're killing me. But the guy's (laughs) done 9 million movies and TV shows. It's a lot more difficult, I'm sure, when you're as prolific as he is. Uh, and then I showed up and did my little bit and I remember Jacob Bertrand, uh, laughing off camera when I did my whole, What's up, guys, sorry, I'm late. Just, uh, <laughs> got off the one one It was a real bitch. And when I'd show up, I'd add little teeny, teeny things. Uh, a lot of the stuff didn't make it, but there was one take where I just kept going and show up and go, sorry guys, traffic was a real shivering bitch i had to go, Traffic was a real whispering bitch. And I just kept throwing weird adjectives in front of bitch. And Jacob was laughing off camera every time. <laughs> it was just me totally. Like the way Farley would try to get David Spade to crack up during the motivational speaker sketch. It was me trying to think, what what can I say that's going to make Jacob crack? And that was a lot of fun.
1: In the, the big fight scene at the school where your character, Raymond, a.k.a. Stingray, is now... A security guard. Which, which, by the way, your braided beard is—was is, that real hair, or is that like a, an attachment that they added to your beard?
0: Yeah, that was just an attachment that the hair and makeup folks created, and they glued to the bottom of my chin, and it would <laughs> it would get sweaty and like and gross and oily, and I'd have to sometimes I'd pull it off because I couldn't even handle having it on my face. But they did a hell of a job with that; it looked really good and. And, uh, during the fight scene, you know, as you know, I didn't have a lot to, I had a really cool moment in the hallway, which I loved, but, uh, you know, what I did was very easy compared to what everybody else (laughs) did. I mean, just the, you wouldn't believe how little time they had to do that too. Everything you see, everything you see in that fight scene was figured out like off and on in little segments and fragments over a couple of days. I mean, they didn't have a lot of time to rehearse that. They kind of just had to go in and trust Keto and all those guys who were putting it together. And um, what came out was like on par with Marvel or something. I thought it was incredible.
1: It was quite incredible. Um, you, you mentioned that your character didn't a whole, have a whole lot to do. It's very comical. I thought it was actually, it's um, it's pretty hilarious. But So you said that there wasn't a whole lot of prep because uh, you guys had a few days. What was it like kind of staging and choreographing your particular, let's just call it a fight scene?
0: Yeah, I can't stress enough how little time those guys had to rehearse um, those days they were coming in for a half day or a third of a day just to kind of suss it out. But on the day they were finding it as they went and sort of trusting the other stunt, the other stunt people because it was just – it was <laughs> the fact that it even got done was a miracle, and then the fact that it looked as good as it does uh, is like a miracle on top of a miracle. Uh, I just showed up and, and here on those guys, they kind of ran me through what I was supposed to do in the hallway. But it had you know, it had to be timed really well because this kid gets thrown and the moment he gets thrown the camera whips over to me and the guy playing the principal and 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 I sort of had to hit that mark every time perfectly and it was kinda of tricky. But once we got in there it went really well. Uh I don't think I heard any of those real stunt guys. I was, you know, pretty light and minimal. Um the one thing that was tough was remembering they wanted me to high five jacob hawk they wanted me to high five him before i went down and hit that guy in the back of his knee right and a couple of takes i forgot it and i was so mad because i was like dude you only have like four moves to do how can you forget <laughs> one of them and uh, i was pissed at myself just wanting to hit everything and make everybody happy but in the end you only need one really good take and the, the one you see is the one that was that was kind of on shitting on all cylinders
1: now, you mentioned that uh, at the, the Coyote Creek that you uh, ad-libbed a, a couple lines. Um, of all the other appearances that Raymond makes, maybe maybe the one in the Cobra Kai dojo, were there any other instances where uh, you had a chance to improvise some of your lines?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think a lot of the improv made it in. It was more like I would just add it in to make John, Josh, and Hayden laugh. Uh, because the show you know, there's so many characters and the show kinda of moves quickly that uh that you don't get a lot of that in there. But I think, you know, the Caddyshack thing wasn't totally written. That was like I think the original reference is gonna be Police Academy movies. Okay. So I was supposed to mention Police Academy and Michael Winslow and like some of the gags from Police Academy, and then they go, Let's throw the Caddyshack one. So I added the whole dance and the song that I do to the gopher. Dancing in Caddyshack, and and that was you know, you could kind of see Billy Zazka about to break when I was doing that because it's so stupid. And we had just met, you know, we had just <laughs> met that day, and then they throw me in, and I'm like doing all these ridiculous things in front of them. It's great,
1: yeah. You say it's stupid, I think it's hilarious. Um, one of uh, the moderators of our group page, uh, Rick, I, I don't know if you saw this, but he made a video taking Raymond and the Gopher and, and you know, kind of did a side-by-side, and you were on point. And I think that that video, seeing it side-by-side made it even funnier, because now you have a reference.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. I'll have to look that up, or maybe you can send me the link. I'll check that out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've seen Caddyshack maybe five or six times in my life, and I just remember I remember he moved in a robotic fashion where you could clearly tell it was like a souped-up animatronic and not a real coaster, obviously. Right. Hilarious.
1: Um, well, as, as we get ready to wrap up, um, I see that you have some projects coming up, and uh, I understand if there's some of them that you can't can't talk about. Uh, one of them that really interests me, uh, also because it stars a fellow uh, Cobra Kai alum, and that's Khalil Everidge in the upcoming movie Beats, which you are also in. Is that something you can talk about?
0: Yeah, so Beats comes out, I think, Wednesday, June 19th. Correct. I think that's the, the date. Um, Khalil, you know, plays like a troubled, uh, kid in, in, you know, the inner city of Chicago who kind of, you know, saw a family member, um, be affected by, uh, gang violence. And so he kind of has PTSD and is dealing with it. And Anthony Anderson's character finds out that he makes hip hop music and it's really good. So he's trying to take him under his wing. And of course that leads to both, you know, triumph and tragedy. But, uh, my character in the film is sort of opposite Anthony, this sort of a uh, pseudo villain of the film. This guy who works for a local record label who kind of holds the fate of Khalil's character in the palm of his hand. And is not as good of a guy as uh, he likes to make himself seem. So uh, that was a really interesting character to play. And I did I got to work with Khalil on that before Cobra Kai. And it was such a treat to get to work with him again. He's such a good kid. And, is carving out a really cool career for himself that I hope he he keeps full speed ahead. And uh, and then I have another movie a week prior called Late Night, right? With Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling, and that'll be out Friday, June oh, what would that be, June seventh? Yeah, Friday, Friday, June seventh. That'll be out in theaters and on Amazon at some point. Um, that's a really cool workplace comedy, sort of in the vein of Devil Wears Prada and Broadcast News and Mindy wrote the script and uh, Mindy's buddy, Nisha Ganatra, directed the film. And uh, it's one of these movies where you watch it and every scene somebody pops up for you. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, I love her. He's hilarious. He? So it's like a who's who of uh, supporting cast members in a really great um, film with a good heart. So I, I hope that'll be fun where I have two movies coming out within a week or two of each other. And I played very, very different people in the two films.
1: And recently, uh, you just came back from Thailand. Was that for shooting The Five Bloods?
0: Oof, yeah. Did seven weeks in Thailand for uh, Spike Lee's new film over at Netflix.
1: Now, I, I know very little about it. Uh, obviously, it's still kind of in, um, in, I don't know if it's in post-production now, uh, really, but I see that one of the cast members, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Do you did you get to
0: meet him at all? Oh, I don't think he's in the film. I think that's sort of an old casting choice. Interesting. Um, okay. Or he might have. I think he was rumored to be involved, but I don't think he is. Um, I think. Uh, I think the cast itself now is like the leads are, of course, um, Delroy Lindo, Isaiah right. Whitlock Jr., uh, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Jonathan Majors, and, and Chadwick Boseman, and it's sort of a uh, a Vietnam War story. And uh, it has to do with, you know, um, men who are trying to recapture friendships and sort of old times. And, of course, that stirs about uh, some painful things, and they have to kind of face fears and face broken relationships uh, as they uh, kind of go through the Vietnam jungle. So it's a really – it's sort of – I've kind of compared it as, like, it's like Stand By Me, but if Spike Lee did it with, like, four (laughs) – African American men in their late sixties. Um, so it's, it's kind of a cool, you know, dark, uh, film that, that talks about, uh, talks about the human condition in the Vietnam war, which are two really difficult topics. And uh, I think Spike's doing it with his typical flair of bits and pieces of comedy and action. And I think it has a chance to be a really, really memorable film.
1: Sure. I'll definitely check it out myself. I mean, I'm Asian American. Uh, my family's from Laos and there's some history there with the whole Vietnam uh, war and Thailand and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely something I'm interested in. And it, it looks like even Don Cheadle was also somebody they were eyeing. So what I'm referencing here is not updated at all. Uh, so very interesting.
0: Oh, that must be an old. An old link or something, I think yeah. So. I, think I mean, so. it's a lot. A lot of times when they're casting a film, it's all about scheduling. Right. Who's available? Who's right for what? And so they may have gone back and forth. I'm not sure, but uh, but it is a Spike movie. Uh, Spike Lee movie, by God. There are just moments in that film that are undeniably Spike. So fans of his will love it, and hopefully, uh, you know, being a Netflix film, it will have a lot of eyeballs on it. It'll hopefully be a really watched movie. And hopefully, I'm hoping Beats is a really well-watched movie because it'd be nice to see Khalil Everidge continue to make a name for himself. And I think that's a movie with a really rich identity being rooted in the hip-hop scene in Chicago and stuff. It could be a really special movie.
1: And as we um, wrap up here, you mentioned that you started uh, you know, stand-up at the age of 16. And obviously, you're doing very, very well for yourself here do you have any advice that you can give for maybe somebody starting out and stand up or trying to get into the business?
0: My advice for people looking to get into entertainment in some facet would be choose one thing you really love and feel you're, you're good at, or at least competent in and, uh, and go for that one thing. It doesn't mean you can't do other things. You know, if you're an actor, you can write a script. If you're a, uh comedy writer, yeah, you can do stand up. If you're uh if you want to produce things but you're thinking of directing, you know, it's not that you have to do one thing, but it's good to know what you're good at and it's good to hone one craft that you can be known for. Uh so I would say choose one thing and be the master of one instead of a jack of all trades. Because uh it's it it kind of looks bad when you move to LA or New York and you're like well, I you know, I'm looking at sculpting and, and producing plays, and I also am really into ceramics, but I do stand up uh, on some nights, and then I'm songwriting, but I really want to do a one-man show. And then somebody looks at you, and they go, well, I don't know what the hell you are, because you just said 47 different things. Uh, it helps to kind of have one route to stick to and to kind of prove yourself in, and then once you're proven in one, you can go out and do it. Dwayne Johnson or Beyonce or any of these folks do where they kind of build their enterprise or their multifaceted careers, uh, that stemmed from one thing for the rock. It was wrestling, uh, for Beyonce it was a group, a music group. And then of course, uh, they kind of trickle down. So pick that one thing and just be the guy or gal who is murderous at the one thing. Uh, and then my advice for moving to LA, if you move to LA, my advice is make it your home. It's not going to feel like home, but go find your hiking trail, go find your church, go find your burger joint, find your dive bar, find your barcade, make it your home and uh, find a life outside of your work because if your life and your happiness are only based on your work and your accomplishments, it's going to be a very, very tough time.
1: I'd like to thank Mr. Hauser again for coming on to the show to talk about Cobra Kai and a lot of the other work that he has done. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it and, uh, you know, maybe check him out on Instagram doing his Oswald Cobblepot and just some other fun videos. For those that are interested, cause I know I am one of the movies that we did talk about that will be coming out soon, uh, Late Night again, which will release on June 7th, and Beats, which will re- be released June 19th. Uh, that is the one with Khalil Everett, who plays Chris from Season 2 of Cobra Kai. So if you guys don't already and want to follow Mr. Hauser on the social medias, uh, be sure to check the show notes because I will have the links uh, in there for you to access a lot quicker, uh, but for us, we have a group page for those that maybe want to join in some of the conversations we have uh, to include leaving feedback for some of our episode reviews. Just go on Facebook and search www.cobra group, and you spell out the words period. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Cobra Kai Pod on Twitter and Cobra Kai Podcast on Instagram. And if you guys enjoyed this interview, please consider taking a time to go back and check out some of the other interviews that we have done. Uh, in this conversation with Mr. Hauser, I mentioned that, uh, we have had, uh, Mr. Cove on here as well, the creators John, Josh, and Hayden. Gianni DiCenzo has been on here so just check the the back catalog and check out some of those episodes while you're waiting for the next one so having said that I want to thank everybody for you guys' continued support and see you guys next time
0: Thank you for listening to the Cortemp Arts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortemp Arts shows, visit cortemparts.com.